to worry about anything now, Dad. Listen, I'm getting a brand new Cadillac. I'm getting a $60,000 house. I'm, I'm getting it all back. All, all, all the jewelry, all the furs, everything, Dad. Everything they took from us, I'm gonna get it back. I had an FBI agent come see me. You got their number, son. They're kind of scared. The United States government champ running for the hills. Bow to the moon. They're never gonna catch you, Frank. Come on, sit with me, have a drink. I'm your father. Then ask me to stop. Then ask me to stop. You can't stop. Everybody, welcome. My name is Matt. I'm here with Andrew today. We're going to be talking about Catch Me If You Can, the amazing true story of the youngest and most daring con man in the history of fun and profit. So grab your popcorn and Reese's Pieces and let's break it down on the Post Credit Podcast. Uh, what are we talking about today? Catch Me If You Can. So we've decided to do one of his most iconic E.T., Followed by two of the lesser movies, <laughs> the less famous movies, I guess. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we enjoy these movies. We want to talk about them. We're obviously going to talk about a lot better Spielberg movies, a lot more fun Spielberg movies, a lot more deep Spielberg movies. Mm-hmm. But, you know, why not get these ones out of the way? Because we want to talk about them. There's not a whole lot to talk about them. Uh, based on our preferences Mm -hmm. these are great movies um and we really enjoy them but you know they're not top tier spielberg yeah so today we're going to be talking about catch me if you can this movie came out in 2002 Uh, it was directed by steven spielberg uh the screenplay was written by uh jeff nathanson it's based off a book by Frank Abagnale Jr. The book is called Catch Me If You Can, The Amazing True Story of the Youngest and Most Daring Con Man in the History of Fun and Profit. What a title. Mm-hmm. What yeah. a title. I really think they should have used that as a movie title. I mean, it wouldn't fit in the marquee, <laughs> but does To Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Something Something, Julie Newmar, does that fit in an, in the marquee? No, but they still named it that. Yeah, but it's still... I mean, do they even have marquees so much anymore? No, but, you know, I just think that would have been a hilarious title to keep the whole title in there. I mean, obviously, Frank Abagnale Jr. is, like, very much of, you know, has has a good, healthy ego, you know? Yeah, you think? The amazing true story of the youngest and most daring con man in the history of fun and profit. And because, you know, him him and... um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Sean O'Reilly. Yeah, the uh, real life yeah, Ham Ratty. He, he, those two characters are, or those two people are actually real people. Oh, yeah. You know, um, I mean, now, pretty much everybody in here is he, <laughs> a real person. Right. And it's funny because uh, the guy that said, um, what was it? Let's see. Uh, okay. You said uh, the. The conversation every Christmas, right? The one they had every Christmas. Mm-hmm. Well, he was saying that uh, Abdenail said, uh, points out the flawless logic. You know, why would I do that? You know, I, I didn't want the FBI to, you know, know where I was. 
So why would he actually call that, you know? And that was kind of like a true story, you know, and you kind of wonder if like anything else throughout the So movie he actually, actually really did story. that. Yeah. You're talking about? Yeah. Well, I know that Well, no, no, he's saying he's saying why would I do that? He said why would I call right, the FBI right. every Christmas to, you know, so they could finally figure out where so I was. So that's not a true part of the no, story. No, it's yeah. definitely not. But you kind of wonder if any of these other stories are actually true or maybe kind of from Frank Abagnale's perspective and opinion he mm-hmm. says that this 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 movie and the book um are about 80 percent true okay so like um when he left as a kid when he ran away he never came back he never saw his dad again so oh, okay the times that he came back and visited his dad the, that that didn't actually happen his dad he ran away and his dad passed away before he got to see him again so uh, maybe that was just, and and he allowed that to be in the book and the movie. Um, so maybe he he missed, you know, he regretted not going back and seeing his dad. Uh, maybe the scenes of him talking to his dad are what he wished he would have done. You know, connected. Well, maybe talked to his dad a little bit more. Maybe he felt like he had abandoned his dad. His wife had abandoned his dad. You know, or his yeah, mom. You know, whatever. Yeah, because I mean, if you think about it, right, the way he is is because of his dad yeah you know the, like the way he acts the way he thinks the way he he perceives everything is the same way his father does his father just doesn't have enough guts to really do things illegally right you know that you know he he's always been kind of follow the rules kind of person where that's where the the only difference between him and his dad are you know what i mean because his dad basically taught him how to do all this stuff and how to talk and act this way but he I think he just exasperated it, you know, when he did it, exacerbated know. it. There we go. Yeah, I, and I, I think I think you're right. I'm glad you're on that track because I want to get in talking about him and his dad and and the difference yeah. between the two. I mean, we could start right now because I mean, it's it's just that's kind of the beginning. Let's say this you is know, my the show and I can I can start it if I want to. Well, we got to <laughs> talk about the movie itself though. Uh, this movie just uh, stars Leonardo DiCaprio as Frank Abagnale Jr. It stars Tom Hanks as Carl Hanratty. Christopher Walken as Frank Abagnale Sr., um, uh, Martin Sheen as Roger Strong. It also stars uh, Natalie Bay, Amy Adams, James Brolin, Brian Howe, Frank John Hughes, Steve uh, Easton. Do you want to go over some of these, uh, I don't know, would you call them cameos? I mean, the big ones are like Jennifer Gardner, uh, Ellen Pompeo, Elizabeth Banks. Yeah, but they were kind of like right there at the beginning, you know, like... Yeah, and there was somebody that was a stewardess that used to be in the Weedon verse, like on Dollhouse, and oh, what was her name? Um, I can't remember see. her name. Wait, hold on. But Amy Adams. Yeah, Elizabeth Banks, uh, Ellen Pompeo, Jennifer Gardner. Uh, can't think of the other one right now. I'll think of it in a bit. But uh, it's uh, it's interesting. Did you know that this movie was first? Uh, um, it was first going to be done by Gore Verbinski. Gore Verbinski. He's a guy that did the Pirates movies and stuff. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So um, he was going to cast Ed Harris in the role of Frank Sr. Christopher Walken's role. Okay, I could see that. What do you think the dad would have been like if he had if he had cast Ed Harris? Ed Harris, obviously, of Apollo 13 and The Rock um, fame. Uh, so n- knowing how Ed Harris plays his role and how he plays it a lot of Ed Harris plays his roles very severe and serious. 
he doesn't play like comical roles. No, I don't think unless, he'd do a good job. Unless it's something making fun of how serious he is, you know. But he's just a very, very serious actor. Whereas I think Christopher Walken kind of gave. Uh, I, I think Ed Harris it, it would have brought the role to a much more serious and like depressing level, right? Because he's mm-hmm. he's such a like he would have taken that stuff with his wife leaving his son and the tax people coming after him and all that. You know, he would have taken that so seriously and just got into tears. But Christopher Walken's portrayal played well with like the fantastical whimsy of a Steven Spielberg movie, right? Mm -hmm. Because he was playful in his sadness. He was sad. Oh, this is what's going on. But whenever he talked to his son, where are you going, Frank? You know, you know, he would be still a little bit playful, you know, almost like he's trying to put up a front for his son and everything. So I think the differences between, you know, Christopher Walken and Ed Harris, it would have completely changed how that character was seen. Because you, you still felt a little bit bad for this guy. Yeah, I mean, and the thing was with the way that Christopher Walken portrayed, you know, and, and, and the character's portrayal, you know, as far as, you know, raising, you know, our main character here. And the way he did it, I, I think he could play that, that kind of still, you know, sad with a smile on type Ed Harris? Did, no, no, no. Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken. Yeah. You know, he the sad clown, you know, that kind yeah. of thing, you know, and and but Ed Harris couldn't do it, you know. I mean, cuz I mean, if you think about it, he he was always like protecting Leo's character, you know yeah. what I mean? And so he was protecting him from from seeing the the bad parts, you know, and and the you know, the your well, consequences his, to actions yeah. he, he was hiding that from leo you know leo's cause, character because christopher uh, the the senior For part frank. frank abagnale senior uh christopher walken's character he wasn't really a con man no he was a con man at a low level like he didn't he, he did, that's what that's not what he used to support himself and to like get money and to support yeah. his life or yeah. whatever but he'd do it in little instances, whether it's that person at the teller, you know, oh, did you drop this in the park? It must have slipped right off your neck. Different. But I think the biggest biggest thing is, is you know, he, he never taught him consequences. He never taught his son consequences. Like when he got anything. in trouble at school? Yeah, when he got in trouble at school, you know, he kind of laughed it out, smiling, smiling. Because, I mean, you know, looking at his son almost like being proud that he was that smooth that he could, you know, pretend to be the teacher for, what, two weeks? You know, yeah. and, and then think that it's the teacher substitute for two weeks. And his dad was kind of like admiring him because he could kind of see like, oh, well, look, you know, it's, it's things that I've taught him and, and, you know, things that he could be and things like that, you know. But it, with the way that he was, he didn't teach him any kind of consequences to any kind of actions. And that's probably what made Junior be so outlandish thinking he, he can get away with anything that he wants to you yeah. know, do anything that he wants to without uh fear of consequences on that line let me just talk about this one thing and we'll get into the story uh you know there are two leads in this movie right tom uh tom yeah. hanks and uh, almost the other tom one. cruise yeah whatever we just did minority <laughs> tom Report, hanks, and tom tom hanks and uh leonardo dicaprio there's two leads here DiCaprio. not many people can make Tom Hanks feel like a secondary character when he's on when he's in a movie he's True. pretty much always the main character yeah absolutely he is a main character actor so is Leonardo DiCaprio but not many people can even if he is in with others he's always going to outshine the people that he's in there so not many people can Shine make him feel like a secondary character but Leonardo DiCaprio can yeah and 
not many people can make Leonardo DiCaprio look like a secondary character, but Tom Tom Hanks does. So like, okay, so maybe maybe it's not done. That. It's my, maybe it's not done as well to Leonardo DiCaprio because he's obviously the star. But I and mean, I know Tom Hanks was brought in as that secondary character, but usually he could outshine anybody. Um, but it's kind of the same situation of. with Johnny Depp and and in what's eaten Gilbert Grape, Johnny Depp and Leo's. Yeah, but that uh, was before Leo had really gained that that but reputation. But still, I mean, at that point, you know, I mean, look at look, he's oh yeah, you know, mildly disabled. You know, um, well, he's disabled. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that he's disabled, and you know, still coming out with some of the greatest content in the entire movie yeah as arnie you know and and where then you got johnny depp who was also just like the main character in a way you know and and it's kind of like the same situation with yeah this johnny movie. depp's a, uh one of those actors that yeah he, it's hard for him to be a secondary character and leonardo dicaprio even though it was that early in his career now you know that movie had more focused on gilbert and whenever gilbert was around usually arnie was around as well yeah so it kind of played that. Whereas Catch Me If You Can, you're switching back and forth to this person's story, which is to very that person's story, and it's great about that's what's one of the many things good about this movie is the fact that, you know, our two main characters, like as we were just talking about, they don't share a scene until the very end of the movie. You know, they, what like, I mean? they're they on are, the phone. They're always. Oh no, set. no, no! He ca- caught him in that hotel room. Remember in the yeah, middle. Yeah, at the. Uh, was it at the middle? Or? Yeah, it was at the middle because he had caught him and he had him, but then he bluffed his way out of it to grab okay. his little typewriter thing. And I get, I get off. you, I get you on that, and that that one was kind of a great scene. But I mean, like, true. But I mean, even that what we did see was very, very little screen time be- with these two characters, even though they're the main characters of the movie, but little screen time together. Yeah. And in that scene, I think Leonardo DiCaprio's character schooled. Tom Hanks' yeah. character, but I think Tom Hanks' acting schooled Leonardo DiCaprio's acting because, yes, Leonardo DiCaprio did very good. Leo, it's going to be a mouthful to keep saying his full name. Leo did very good with, uh, you know, trying to act like, uh, you know, uh, going from a younger person trying to act like an older person. But don't Tom Hanks, Leo. you don't know him personally, so don't call him Leo. But Tom Hanks slowly kind of like, oh, well, maybe this guy is telling the truth. The way it kind of like dawned on him, like, oh, okay, wait, it. I okay. kind of felt like he okay. just went, he okay. went down. Yeah, <laughs> if you're sure that I should believe you, that type of thing, you know. And then finally, when Leo leaves the room, you know, he kind of sits down like, I almost shot this guy and everything. And but his realization, wait, should I check this wallet? It's. The, the, just the, the the facial expressions from Tom Hanks in that scene blow me away every time. But you just see the real—he doesn't have to really say anything. You just see the realization wash over him of, of, oh, my God, this is the guy. Well, maybe it's not the guy. Okay, thank God it's not the guy. Wait, maybe it's the guy. Ah, oh, crap, it's the guy. You know, going through all those emotions with just kind of facial expressions— was Amazing. it the, the Burbs? Was that the movie that he was back in the day? Was it he was in the Burbs, Burbs? with uh, Carrie Fisher. That's his wife. right. That's right. He was kind of like he doesn't play that type of character that it seems like the you know everybody just gets over on him a lot. You know what I mean? And so it was like hard to see Tom Hanks, Forrest Gump. It's like one another one of those yeah. characters we talk about. Like just things happen great for him. And yeah, he, yeah, yeah. But he has him. a lot of characters like that. I mean, he just did Mister Rogers, you know, and and things like that. And uh, but like every single one of his characters, he kind of seems like he's on the up and up, like Except big Captain Phillips. I am the yeah. captain now. <laughs> well, even then, I mean, they made it, you know, at the end, yeah. you know. Apollo 13. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 
So another movie that uh, I'm very excited to do sometime. Maybe not this season, but next. Yeah, I, and and I just kind of think like w- with him, he was a lot smarter than that. I can't believe Leonardo uh, got on to him. I, I don't well, know Tom Hanks, so I call him Leonardo. But I mean, that was just I like stuff like that really happened. But that that kind of showed a little bit of the ineptitude of you know early federal agents and he was probably pretty green like because over the time what was it like 20 years that he was kind of in and out tracking this guy yeah and so you know you figure when we first saw him he was probably pretty young and and new at this fbi thing in a way maybe yeah i'm just thinking (laughs) sorry i was just i was remembering one of the quotes from tom hanks in the movie and it always makes me laugh i can't wait to get to it so (laughs) Uh, so we start out in 1963. Teenager Frank Abagnale Jr., played by, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, lives lives with his father, Frank Sr., and his French mother, Paula. Uh, so Frank's uh, Sr. starts, in, you know, dealing with problems with the IRS and tax evasion, stuff like that. Uh, families, you know, forced to move from their large home to a small apartment in the city, all that kind of stuff. Um so you get a sense that that uh, his father is somewhat of a small time con man, not using it to live a life, but to like get into a free movie or to get a discount or yeah. you know a free jacket or something like that. But nothing crazy. He uses his charm. I mean, it's the same charm. If you look at it, he's very respected in his community before his tax problems, right? Didn't he won like a chamber of commerce award yeah. at the beginning yeah. or something? His wife looked like she adored him. His son adored him. Everybody in the room adored him, right? Um, I think it all comes from his, you know, latent con man personality. And I say latent because he never took it to the level that his son did. But um, whenever he tells the story over and over and over of how he got Frank's mom, you know, like there was all these other guys. She was dancing all these other men and I'm the one that took her home. I'm the one that took her home. You get kind of a sense that he probably laid on some of his, you know, smooth talking, yeah. his scamming type of stuff. And maybe that's how she was kind of seduced or whatever. He came back from the war. By the way, is this the third time we've seen or or has there been more Christopher Walken as a war vet? So like he was in this one in Pulp Fiction, he played uh Bruce Willis's dad who who's uniformed, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, he does Deer Hunter with yeah, that's uh, right. De Niro and all them. Uh, I, uh, I I have a feeling that he's played more war veterans, but kind of interesting. But wasn't he one in uh, what is that? Um, we did a podcast over it. <laughs> Which one? Oh, uh, you're talking about um, True Romance? Yes. Yeah, but he was a mob guy in that. He wasn't a war vet. No, he was a police officer in that. No, you're thinking of Dennis Hopper. He played That's right. Clarence's dad. Right, yeah. Right. So, um, but yeah, no, like you get a sense that you know he brought her home because he was charming and he had that like con man personality. He was loved by the Chamber of Commerce and did all this stuff. But you see that he does con man stuff all the time. Kind of uses his charm to convince this person or that person or weaker willed people, I guess, to do what he wants. So he's gotten this status. And he's been avoiding taxes and stuff. It only lasted so long. Then the the house of cards started to fall. They got evicted. They had to go to uh, you know a lesser neighborhood, a lesser school, all this kind of stuff. He was dealing with problems, and then that kind of broke the illusion for the wife. I think 
and then she yeah. she found somebody else obviously in the form of james brolin who played you know kind of a rich guy from their old neighborhood and everything that she started having an affair with uh do you know what catch me if you can got on rotten tomatoes what did it get uh, i was just asking oh I uh, 96 uh, critic score 89 audience score you know i i, I always I don't know why they have the critics, you know, score on it. You know what I'm saying? Because, because yeah. it's like, who goes on there to say, "I'm going to watch this movie. I'm going to check what the critics say about it, not what other people say." Well, about that's it. why we always go to audience scores. Now, here's the thing: critics are supposed to find the flaws. Exactly, but but you know, unless you're another critic, I wonder if critics it sounds go, like a miserable life. <laughs> seriously, I mean, I, I wonder if other critics go like. Oh, I, I I don't want to see what the audience score is uh, when if I'm going to go watch this yeah. movie. I'm going to see what the cr- other critics' uh, score is. Maybe. Because if you think over time, somebody who focuses on the negative so much that like their entire job is to zone in on the negative, Absolutely. it's just going to make them a negative person to be, Absolutely. in general. That's got to be something that like, tarnishes your soul, it's your a being. a horrible life. <laughs> so, yeah. They're, they're I'm, I'm not like, saying all critics are like that. I'm just saying it doesn't sound very appealing to me. No, it's I get the the need for critics. I just could never be one. I I can't I can't you know embrace that much negativity. You know if something you know I like I mean, we're kind of literally critiquing critics. Right we're now. like the opposite. They they look for the the bad and we look for the good. You know because there's a lot of Who bad movies the out there that we like that a lot of people don't like. Yeah, and that's us looking for the good. I think and I don't know who looks for the ugly. But we know who looks for the good and the bad. Right. But we just don't know who don't know who's the, the ugly. ugly. Okay. Um so uh the mother starts having an affair with uh with Jack Barnes, who's a f- kind of a family friend mm-hmm. in the Chamber of Commerce, but um obviously separated himself from the Abignails or whatever. So, you know, they ask Frank to pick who he wants to live with. <laughs> obviously it's too much for Frank, he runs away. Um in real life, he never sees his dad again. Um, I believe he's maybe talked to his mom once or twice, but you know, remember she went and started a whole new life. Yeah, she know? dropped everything in her past or you know in her current present and just said, "Let's start over." That's got to be they hard to reset something because you know most mothers like <coughs> most mother. You know, it's it's it, to make a child decide. That's a terrible thing, anyways. But. <clears throat> But at the um, same time, there might be a reason why they decide on one or the other. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and it's kind of, yeah, I get that. You know, when you're married, you know, you decide things together. And yeah. then when you're married, you can't really decide together on things you anymore. Mean when you're divorced. Divorced. Yeah. That's what I mean, I mean, who knows? You know? <laughs> but no, when you're divorced. And so to, to make a child pick like that, it's probably the only best option in, in, in that sense. You know what I mean? Because it at least gives them. The, you know both parents yeah a, uh, uh, a a chance yeah you know so it 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 showed me that the father he had certain skills but he never honed them enough to do anything with them um and he eventually it all came down um he the you know the wife that maybe he'd used his little you know uh confidence Superpower. confidence skills on or whatever mm-hmm. she saw through it eventually um, the Chamber of Commerce, that all came down when he had to deal with the tax problems. And then he was, you know, still dealing with, you know, the IRS wanted more money from him, all that. So I think that's like kind of a precursor or, or a um, foreshadowing for what was going to happen to Frank Jr. Because he, 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 you can't run forever. As as Henretti, 
Tom Hanks' character says to him, you know, the house always wins. Eventually, you're going to get caught. You know you can't do this forever. Uh, there's probably people out there who have been doing it for a long time and still have never been caught. But Yeah, but we're, we're all human, and humans get, uh, get uh, greedy. You know, yeah. I hate to say it, but, you know, all humans get greedy. It doesn't matter what it is. It could not be money. It could be anything you can be greedy at, you know. And so that's why, you know, that's what he was talking about, you know, because, I mean, yeah. everybody's human. You eventually get caught. I mean, you might be going for a long time, but you still get caught. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's, uh, you, you know, that's that type of father he had, too. And where he was pretending to be a substitute teacher for a week or two. I never got caught when they got brought in. His mom looked pissed, but his dad just kind of looked yeah. at him, and they both started laughing as they walked away and stuff. Yeah. And uh, his dad's kind of like, I can't believe you did that. You know, and that was kind of like his jumping off point, whereas, his, you know, his dad would see all the things he eventually goes to do. I can't believe he's yeah. doing that. But um, so anyways, he uh, he's, he's forced to decide who he wants to live with. He can't decide, so he runs away. Uh, he's, he, he, he finds a place in, in New York where, you know, he's trying to stay, but he needs money. So he comes up with these scams. Uh, and basically he sees this pilot, sees how much respect Because back in the day. Pilots used to have, used to be like celebrities now. Yes. So you may not know them, but if you saw them, it was like seeing a member of the Beatles or, you know, you know, maybe not that extreme, but it was kind of like seeing a celebrity. They were hugely respected and admired And when Frank saw uh, this pilot surrounded by these flight attendants, stewardesses, as they were called back in the day, mm-hmm. um, these beautiful women, he looked happy and he had this great life and everything. He's like, that's what I want. So yeah. he, you know, found a way to get a uniform, all this kind of stuff, uh, found more about uh, how Pan Am works and how checks work and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Started his check cashing uh, scheme. So he... He would write bad uh, checks. He would forge checks from Pan Am using, you know, stickers from model planes, which is a real thing that he actually did, you know, things like that. And uh, and going to the supply warehouse for the pilots to get a uniform. He actually did that. Yeah. So um, he's he, he started to make a name for himself. I think there was a I think that somebody had given him like a title to his name, you know, like a, a moniker. Mm-hmm. Um just don't remember what it was called oh a skyway man they called uh in the papers they called frank abagnale jr the skyway man but as he's doing this uh we're introduced to an fbi agent carl hanratty who begins to track frank um and (laughs) so carl hanratty is basically uh what was his name sean sean o'hay o'reilly was it sean o'reilly um I know that he was. Oh my gosh, I hate this phone. And that wasn't the the actual person's name because he was still in the FBI when he wrote this book, so he had to use a different um, name for him. Joseph Shia was was the real name. Was the real name? Yeah. So Carl Hanratty is actually based on several FBI agents who pursued Frank Abagnale, but mostly it's based on one that was named Joseph Shia, and it was him who caught Frank hired him at the FBI and then became friends with him for the rest of his life. Yeah. Um, he had to call him, uh, what did he call him? What, uh, Sean O'Reilly or yeah. whatever. Yeah. He'd call him that, uh, when he, his book came out because when the book came out, I think it was in the eighties or nineties or whatever. Yeah. But, um, uh, when the book came out, um, 
he was still that that agent was still working at the FBI, so yeah. we didn't want to name him or anything. Yeah, but. that's yeah. So, anyways, we get introduced to uh, Hanratty, uh, played by uh, uh, Tom Hanks, mm-hmm. and <laughs> it, it's one of my favorite scenes, and it's the best way to like uh, to like introduce somebody, right? You know, he's driving with two other guys, and they're like, "Oh, this guy." They don't like they don't like Carl. They don't like that they've been placed under him, and they have to work for him, and all that kind of stuff. He's never funny. He's always serious and stuff. And so finally, they kind of tell him as much, and he's like, "Oh, oh, well, would you like to hear me tell a joke?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'd love to hear a joke from you. Knock, knock. Who's there? Go fuck yourselves. <laughs> it's so funny, and it's like the way he said it, and and the way he set it up, and everything. Yeah, exactly the way. A certain boss of mine I know that I've worked for before would say it. Yeah, maybe that's a better way to say, <laughs> to say that. So uh, I don't know. Anyways, I really like that scene with with him him doing that. But like right after we're introduced to him, we see him going to the hotel. Yeah, that's where he finds uh, find Leo's, or I guess it's an apartment complex. They just look like hotels back then, or what? I wonder if that part was true actually, because. You know, if if that was that actually happened when he got to the hotel. when he tricked me into yeah. believing he was his secret service, I believe it did happen. Okay, you couldn't have something that blatant, and I don't know. Um, but I think as things got closer, he started uh, to impersonate a doctor. It really showed. It didn't show the 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 transition to him becoming a doctor or quote unquote becoming a doctor. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of weird, you know. He was doing his Pan Am thing, and he had this party going on, and he goes to the hospital to see somebody, and suddenly he wants to become a doctor. Yeah. So maybe he had just uh, discovered that the check cashing was getting a little bit too mm-hmm. close, and so he's like, "I'm gonna become a doctor." So this might be easier to make money because now he doesn't have to get false checks. Now he can actually get paid for doing nothing. Yeah. So he takes a position as an overnight uh, attending doctor. And, you know, forges a, uh, a Harvard degree and all this kind of stuff and, um, you know, puts it to where, okay, I have other doctors working below me. All I have to do is just not work on a patient and we should yeah. be good. I won't kill anybody. I'll get to collect a paycheck. And it showed it, you know. You know, he'd watch a TV show and like, oh, do you concur, doctor? And then he'd use that in real life conversation yeah. when they're talking about this person who was – Goodness. obviously mutilated bleeding and needed help and he's like mm, do you concur doctor and he's like that we need to do that yeah that's you know it's one of these things where yeah. he was having the doctors do his work for you know, okay carry on yeah do what you need to do that's got to have some balls you gotta have some balls to do something like that because yeah. you're you're talking about if you make a mistake you're killing somebody uh yeah i, I mean it's so. not just check cashing anymore i mean that's still stealing from people and yeah but <clears throat> that's gotta be tough so um uh, you know, we along the way we get all our our cool little uh, um, cameos from all the girls and different things like that. Um, let's see. And then he would go back and visit his dad every once in a while. Yeah. Now he went back. And now obviously this never happened in real life, and this was written for the movie. Whether it's uh, based on what he wished he would have done to go back and see his dad, or maybe the movie put it in there just as like a dream. He, you know, he dreamed about going to see his dad, but he never did. Mm-hmm. 
and he just assumed that his dad would still be struggling as a postal worker or whatever it is. <clears throat> but um, do you think that he knew he was scamming and not was not really a pilot when he came back? Remember they had yeah. dinner and he was like looking at it, he's like oh they, I you know I pay him this and they want more money and he's like come sit down and they talk and he's like where what have you been doing and you know he talks about being a pilot. Uh, but he goes, you know, this this detective came and saw me and all that. And he's like, where are you going tonight? You know, do you, so there's two differences. There's one where he takes him out to a, a dinner and gives him a, a key to a car. He bought him a Cadillac. And then another scene where he's kind of in a, a dive bar, you know, later on where his dad's not doing too well. But in the in the dinner scene where he gives him a car. Don't worry. I'm not going to let it go without a fight. I'm fighting for us. Since the day we met, Daddy, out of all those men, you were the one that took her home. Remember that? Two other men sitting in that tiny social hall watching her dance. What was the name of that town? Mohawk Shard, Dad. I didn't speak a word of French. Six weeks later, she was. My son bought me a Cadillac today. I think that calls for a toast. And he's just blown away about what his son's doing. Do you think that he really believes that his son is a pilot? No. I, or do I you don't. think that he knows he's conning? He, he knows he's conning. He knows he's before exactly the FBI right. came to him. Yeah, I know. But he knew he knew he he's just exactly like him. You know, right. his dad. His dad knew that he was. They had exactly to talk about same. it like it was a real thing, but underneath it, but they both yeah. really knew what they were talking yeah. about. I'm sure he saw that. Okay, he bought him a car, so it's like he's obviously making enough money. Like, but I, I think up. my son bought me a Cadillac. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I, I felt like he was. I think he knew, but he was just kind of putting it in the background in a way where it was like he knew, but you know, he he, he was more proud that his his son was proud and his son was uh, doing well and making money and things like that. I think that that's really what he cared about you know most yeah i agree i think i think there's there's a part of him that that almost wishes it was true because then he wouldn't have to be dealing with the struggles his son wouldn't have to be dealing with the struggles that he himself was dealing with as far as having to do the tax thing and all but he all you know his dad was all about you know having the freedom to you know to scam what you can you know yeah. if it's not if it's if you can scan it it's not your fault it's their fault for letting it happen yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so uh but i think maybe he there was a part of him that you know maybe hoped that his son didn't have to deal with some of the stuff that he was doing but then he saw how well his son was doing it yeah and he even said they're never going to catch in, in the next scene that they have dinner together or whatever in that bar you know, he's like, they're not going to, you know, when he found out that he was scamming, he's like, they're not going to catch you. They're never going to catch you, Frank. You're too good. You know, if you get caught, it's only because you want to get caught. Yeah. And in the end, maybe he did want to get caught. You know, in the yeah. movie, it showed that it was Han Ratty who had found him in France because of the printing machines and worked with local authorities and all that. But really, it was in real life, it was his womanizing that, you know, so, it, some flight attendant who had noticed him. Yeah. 
<clears throat> and had found out afterwards that with her, you know, from when she knew him that he was a scam artist. She had noticed him in France and told the authorities and the French people, you know, the French police caught him and everything. So, Oh, that's the truth? That's the truth oh. of what really happened and everything. Like, the, the other agent actually was there and, 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 and brought him back and everything like that, caught him in a certain way, but... It was really just because, you know, you know, of his past that, mm-hmm. that, that got him caught. So, yeah, I think that uh, father role was very kind of a tragic role because he was a man of confidence, a man of respect back in the war. People respected him. And he brought back this beautiful French woman and married her and started a life together and was respected in his community. And then everything just came tumbling down because you know he tried to do things the shortcut way and yeah you know kind of bit him in the butt and then you know i'm assuming that the way he died in the movie is the way he died in real life because it was very weird and uh, random you know he he fell down some stairs yeah trying to catch a train and that's how he died you know and the fact that the fbi did not that the not that hanratty owed frank anything but the fact that he just kind of told him was like, Frank, your father is dead. I'm sorry. I didn't want to say anything until he got closer to home. He, he fell down some steps at Grand Central Station trying to catch a train. I didn't want to be the one to tell you. You lied, right? You said I could talk to him. Carl, who are you to, who are you to say something like that, huh? You to say something like that. You said I could he talk to him. And he broke his neck. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. You know, and then he scooted back over to the next seat. Like, like that's as quickly as he could get it out. And then he just kind of went to his own thing and. That's when Frank was like, yeah. are you kidding me? You couldn't have told me this before. But anyways, we get the scene where he goes south and he, well, he meets this nurse while he's a doctor and goes south with her to meet her family and everything. Now, in real life, he, well, she wasn't a nurse, but he did meet somebody that, uh, he did meet somebody that uh, he was going to marry yeah. and fell in love with, which is who Amy Adams' character is based on. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, she had the biggest cameo in this role out of all those that we saw with Jennifer Gardner, Elizabeth Banks, Ellen Pompeo, all these people. <clears throat> Amy Adams actually had, like, the the main, you know, storyline with him going to marry her. And, you know, she had the braces. And how do you think she played her role? Because uh, I think this was her, like, her first breakout role. I, she, I, I thought she was really good in this film. I mean, because she was, she played that role right. I mean, you know, she's kind of she's smarter than she looks kind of thing where she knew that he was up to something and he, he was, you know, not the person that he's telling everybody he is, but she liked him for him. You know, it was, it was as straight as that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and she, she, you know, you don't think it was a prestige she liked in him because, Oh, he's a, he's a doctor and he's going to become a lawyer. Oh, I didn't know about that. You know? Yeah. But I, I think a little, it had something to do with that, but I think she really, she kind of knew him like his dad knew him. You know what I mean? You know, they they, they were able to see behind the curtain. A little you know bit. What I'm I mean, he, she did. She did actually. She did actually uh, uh, find out 
about yeah you know so uh he he did in real life he did eventually tell her about the thing and they did eventually end the relationship when you know she tried to help him get caught yeah uh which is basically what happened at the in the movie uh this was like and this came out right after she did her uh she did her um smallville thing because she did her smallville thing and that came out in 2001 and this movie came out in 2002 so it was like her first big breakout her big breakout role and then martin sheen in like this small little role tucked into this movie uh which you know it's it could have been played by anybody it's it wasn't a huge part uh martin sheen isn't particularly um oscar worthy yeah in in his role in it so it was weird that you have an actor like that cast in a role like that Mm -hmm. don't you think yeah i mean who else could have played that part yeah, but it's Steven Spielberg, though. I mean, <laughs> come on now. He, yeah, he's going to have, I mean, all he's got to do is say, hey, um, uh, Harrison Ford, come be in my movie. Yeah. And, and Harrison Ford would be like, all right. Well, it's a yeah. <laughs> There's bad. probably, bad. There's probably some truth to that because I know Jennifer Gardner was getting big on Alias. She wasn't. Yeah. I love that show. I know. She wasn't big yet, but spielberg saw her in that and was like i wonder if she'd take a role in this movie and she worked one day as the escort or whatever and um because it, it was didn't she play kind of like that in alias i know she was like an agent but she like went under no she's like escort. super smart well she did that on like every other episode yeah i know that's what i'm saying so she she was maybe this was her as her alias role and she was i don't know Anyways, but she uh, she did one, and he was blown away. He's like, man, she's going to be a star. I can't believe she just wanted to do this little bit in the movie. But, I mean, I imagine she got a call from Steven Spielberg. Hey, do you want to do a day? Make it a minute. I don't <laughs> yeah. care what it is. I'll be in your movie. You know, so. So if Spielberg ever called you, would you say bet? Bet. <laughs> it would be bet. So, no, I mean, it, it just having all these stars in this film, even for for small parts, and you know, with Amy Adams being you know fairly new in this film, and then you've got Bam, Tom Hanks, and Leonardo DiCaprio. You know what I mean? In in a film together. Oh, it, and the just, mom was played by the mom from uh, uh, My Name Is Earl. Yes, it's uh, Amy Adams' mom. Yeah, I remember she was the mom yeah. in My Name Is Earl. But um, such a great show. It is. <clears throat> uh, I just think that. You know, if Steven Spielberg, he has just like he could probably get any selection of actors in any film he does. Yeah, like Scorsese he can do that. Yeah. Spielberg can do that. Probably Paul Thomas Anderson, maybe Cameron Crowe. I mean, but you have all like the like Brian De Palma, you know, Scarface, and yeah. and uh, you know some of these other movies that he did, and uh, uh, you know coppola and spielberg and uh, maybe not george lucas but i mean like a lot of directors where <laughs> actors would be like maybe yes. not george lucas but <laughs> well i mean like actors would be like yes well they'd be like is he directing yes uh, no george lucas isn't directing he's only wrote the story does he have a screenwriter yes okay i'll be in it <laughs> you know nobody wants to be in a movie where never mind i don't want to bash <laughs> anyways um but, but yeah yeah, so anyways, he finally, uh, he finally, uh, Carl Hanratty finally tracks uh, Frank down in France. He's using Petty. these huge press to make tons of checks, which, you know, knowing how checks would eventually disappear wasn't a very good, you know, future plan. And cash, how is he going to cash 
that many checks. I mean, we're not talking about like 10 or 20 here. We're talking about thousands. He's become a man of excess, but also he could probably start a network of people cashing checks for them. You keep this much, send me this much, and I'll send you your next check. He's next like the week. ultimate con man, but it, yeah. it's kind of kind of one of those things where he like, I think the reason he got caught, to be honest with you, I mean, as far as the movie goes, right? but I think the reason he got caught was because of his excess. Yeah. He got, he got, because he was moving up through stages throughout the whole film. You know what I mean? He started out small, like yeah. with conning about being a teacher. And then and if you, you never have any firm up. walls that you hit, you're yeah. just going to keep yeah. going. No consequences whatsoever. So I think, he, you know, he reached the peak there where it was just like, where can I, you know, he can't really go any further than, you know, because he's a, he's a forger. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think he saw that um, his dad's, uh, the combination of his dad's uh, man of confident skills and the guy who his mother was sleeping with, his money, yeah, is what led to a good life. You know, if you could get that money by using his dad's skills or whatever, you'd have it made. And well, it's so kind that's of what he tried to it, do. You know, it, maybe he his, thought he could bring his family back together if he had more right. money. And his dad, you know, his dad's a con man, right? But he still has his walls, like you were just talking about. He still has walls that, you know, once you reach that point, you can't go any further. You might have to go a different direction. You know, he has he has walls there, you know. So, in a way, even though he's kind of a con man, but on, like, the low end of the, being, of the spectrum, you know, being a con man, he still had morals where his mother... You're talking about his dad, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Where his mother was just free and just basically trying to have a good time her entire life, you know? So it's kind of like a little bit of combination with both of those She things. went where the comfort was. Yes. And the prestige was. And that's 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 exactly... So he's got... he's He, he learned the skills how to do it from his dad, but he learned who he wanted to be from his mom. Right, right. Because, you know, his mom's the one that left the family and... Yeah. And abandoned the family. Right. What did she abandon it for? Well, she left it for money and prestige. Yeah. So what did Frank Abagnale Jr. spend the next few years getting? Money, money and, and prestige. prestige. And and his dad taught him how to do that. Exactly. So that's where he got the skills from. And then eventually... And that's, that's probably why she was with him. Because, you know, back in the day, he was like that. You know, in a way. That's why his mother was with his father and, and was attracted to his father. Because he was like... His he had son, the money and prestige yeah. that she was after, and then when he lost it all, she was like, "Okay, I, I'm looking for money and prestige, so yeah. let's go on and so forth." And yeah. that, that's where I think Frank Jr. learned. If he didn't have such a messed up childhood and was chasing those things, he he might have been able to keep going with it, get smarter about it, you know, and then eventually get into different things like um, um, jazzercise, <laughs> counterfeiting money, oh, and stuff like okay. that. I don't know. I just think that he seems like he's got a real good eye for details and everything, and that's how he is able to recognize when he's in jail. He gets sentenced to twelve years, so uh, you know he basically gets the book thrown at him, and so he's did, able to recognize when Hanratty brings that check that it was that a cashier at a bank was involved just because of the way that the stamp was. Yeah, you know, so he has such an eye for detail. He probably could have gone on to do counterfeiting. You know, so did, so did Frank really go through this? The real Frank did go through what? Did he work for the FBI? And yeah, all that? and was it this same police officer that that uh, Tom Hanks played that? Recruited him, I guess. Yeah, but it was it was the actual guy's name. What was his name? Went over it. Uh, I'm trying to think. 
Roger Staubach. Roger Staubach. Joseph Shea. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so he was the the actual one that, uh, and he had to work four years to get to get the FBI to agree to let Abignail out of jail and serve his sentence working for the FBI. So I wonder how much time did he really do then? I think, I mean, it's probably about five. I think yeah. he had like a 12-year sentence, so it was probably, probably like four, because I think it was a year after he was in there was when Carl came to visit him and showed yeah. him that, and then I think he worked for the next four years to get him out uh, to do that, and then got him hired, and remember he was going to take off that one last time. I don't know if that's true life, if he actually was going to do that. It, it sounds like it, or it feels like it's more something cinematic meant for the yeah, movies yeah. to give you that one last little, oh, is he going to ruin again and you know go off and do this? He's got a, a good thing now. He can work for the FBI. He doesn't mm-hmm. have to worry about being in trouble anymore. Well, I, I think, I think what, what changed him, and I think th- there did come a change in him. I think that it was, and, and again, this might be all cinematic like you were saying, but I think the change, the moment that he said his father died trying to catch a train going downstairs, and I feel like the, that's symbolic in some sort of way, but, you know... Um, Rushing through life. Yeah, whatever. yeah. And so I think the moment that he was told that and how his dad died, I think at that moment he said, enough. You know, Maybe, because then right after that, he <laughs> went through the toilet and escaped from a plane, which I, I'm pretty sure that that happened as well. Um, and then went straight to his mom's house. This is a Christmas but, movie, and, and I yeah, don't know no. if people want to admit that or not. It's not. It's not. It's it's a Christmas movie like Die Hard's a Christmas yeah. movie. You know, it's not about Christmas, but Christmas is part of it. Yeah. I mean, we see what four or five Christmases. Yeah. You know, I think you know they call each other every Christmas. When he first picks Leonardo DiCaprio up in the in the okay, so he calls him like three or four times throughout the years. When he finds him in France, it's Christmas. And when he gets him from the France jail a year later, it's Christmas. Yeah. Uh, because he, And then he goes and runs to his mom's house where the Christmas tree is still up and all that kind of stuff. Well, and that's, Maybe even when he gets out of jail, it's Christmas. I, I don't know. I think, you know, that wasn't so much like he still had enough at that point. I think he escaped for one reason only because he wanted to see his mom, you know, because he hears this about his dad. And, you know, he doesn't have any more family left besides his mom. Yeah. You know, so it's like. He wants to go see his mom. I don't think it had anything to do with he. He planned on. I mean, he knew that. No, he'd be no, caught no. That way, it was. You know? It was because he told him that his dad died, and then he's like, "I'm going to be sick." And then first thing he thought of, I have to see family. Yep. Because yeah. he was all alone. You know, the the handwriting would even laugh at him. You know, when he called, he's like, "Wait, you're calling me because you don't have anybody else to call." You know, he couldn't have any friends. He couldn't have any family because yeah. then they he didn't know who would turn him in. So he had to live by himself. It was a very solitude lifestyle. So he finds out that his dad's dead. He feels he feels even more alone in this world because there was nobody he was closer to than his dad. Yeah. So he runs to his mom, even though she hasn't been close to him in years, uh, and finds that she's doing well and has forgotten about him. And yeah. so he finally is like, "Okay, I, I need to let that go now. I don't have anything else." So he's like, yeah. "Get me in the car, Carl. Just get me out of here." Yeah. And so he, you know, ends up going to jail and everything. You know, he got away with this. <clears throat> I was thinking about this so much, like Leo. He passes as a kid in this movie, but he also passes as an adult. Yeah. He's always been one of those weird types where he, like, looks real young and, you know, is you know, took him a while to really, you know... Kind of like Tom Cruise? Kind of, but, like, Leonardo DiCaprio is kind of like, like uh, Devin Sawa or uh, Jonathan Brandis, one of these people that, like, they became adults and did adult roles, but you still felt like they were kind of 
you know, like a kid or whatever. I don't know. Obviously, Leo's a, an A-plus actor, uh, perhaps yeah. one of the best of our generation. Right. Um, but in real life, you don't see that much. But through, you know, just natural processes, he actually just ended up looking younger. Or, I mean, looking older than he was. Yeah. So, like, at the age of 16, he was already, like, six foot tall. Mm-hmm. And he had premature gray hair. Yeah. So that's how he was able to pass off as 10 years older. He was able to pass off as like a, you know, 26, 27, Mm -hmm. 27 year old um, when he was 16 or 17 because, you know, he was six foot tall. He had, you know, graying hair and all that. So, uh, you know, it helped that in the skills with his dad. It was kind of just like this accumulation of events and natural occurrences as far as how he looked and everything that made him the perfect counterfeiter made him the perfect criminal to to get away with being somebody who he was not so yeah um anyways uh frank abagnale senior you wouldn't have liked him uh as ed harris if ed harris would have played no him. what about uh chloe savigny as uh as um Brenda, the one that he gets engaged to and almost marries, instead of Amy Adams. Oh, really? Uh, Yeah, from Boys Don't Cry. Yeah, I know who she is. I don't think so. No, she wouldn't have been, because Chloe, she doesn't have like the innocence that Amy Adams does. She looks more worldly and stuff. And then um, James Gandolfini was going to be Carl Hanratty, the agent. That's who Gordon Verbinski I could see that. I could see that. Yeah. So, I don't know. It would have been a very different movie, that's for sure. And if mm-hmm. Cameron Cameron Crowe or, or any of these other directors had directed it, I think it would have been a very, very different movie. Absolutely. So, but this is a very good movie. Uh, yes, there are some liberties taken. Um, from the uh, author himself says that there's liberties taken, but he's also okay with them because they go along with with how he felt for example the scenes with his dad he never got to see his dad again but he missed him and he wished he had conversations like that with his dad yeah so his dad would know that he's doing well and all that so if you get a chance to watch this movie uh it's it's great keep in mind that most of it's true but a lot of it is made more palpable for us to to take in and everything because uh, it's it's just such a huge and, and involved story and everything. But uh, we really enjoy it. We recommend this if you ever get a chance. Like we said, uh, it's rated fourth uh, on, on Rotten Tomatoes uh, out of all of Steel, Steven Spielberg movies. It's a very fantastic movie. And even the score, it's a John Williams score. It doesn't sound like a John Williams yeah. score because it's very soft and subtle. And usually he's got these epic, bombastic things. But that just shows the genius of john williams yeah. he can make scores that are on this scale as well as a star wars superman indiana jones scale. so uh if you guys get a chance to watch this please do uh it's a great movie uh a great based on movie and uh and it has some heart to it uh thanks mm-hmm. to uh obviously spielberg uh if you guys want to get a hold of us we're on all social media at the post credit podcast uh except for twitter we're at the post credit our email address is thepostcreditpodcast at gmail.com. We're, we have a website. It's www.thepostcreditpodcast.com. We have a website. And we're on YouTube. All right. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening, and we'll see you next time. And throw me a bone.